0: Oh, honey, picture me upon your knee With tea for two and two for tea Coming up on today's Tea with Kenny P. Ken reflects on a sacred land with candy trees as he drinks Canada True Maple Herbal. Then he takes a beloved and cherished children's book and makes it done. After which, he talks about a technology prankster of sorts. We stand on guard for thee, dear listener. When Captain America throws his mighty shield,
1: All those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. It is he's led to a fight, and a duel is due, And the red and the white and the blue will come through When Captain America throws his
0: mighty shield. Hello, dear listener. Do you know what about... National personifications. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like Uncle Sam or John Bull or the Finnish Maiden. They're a figurehead used to represent a nation. I think they're most often seen in in wartime propaganda posters or political cartoons. Or like when Balky Bartokomis sails to New York Harbor during the opening credits. And I guess I could have chosen The End of Planet of the Apes or Ghostbusters 2, or any other reference with more mass appeal than a Forgotten 80s sitcom. And I don't know why I'm so fascinated by these personifications. Maybe because they're kind of like superheroes, kind of? Or maybe because they seem like they're they're from a bygone, less PC era. I mean, if I were to come up with the concept of a feisty old hag, which is their words, not mine, to represent the Irish people as a whole. Well, you could call me racist. Like that sports ball mascot for the fighting Irish sports team. Personifying a nation is kind of the definition of creating a stereotype. Except national personifications are almost always embattled, chiseled, hardcore hero types. And sure, if you're personifying your own nation, you are that's likely the, the route you'll take. Of course, when that personification is portrayed in another nation's media say during a time of international tension or all out war the opposing personification and i'm i'm using too many syllables for a silly horse apples podcast from now on i'm going to refer to national personifications as as mascots before they decide to move this podcast from the silly pants category to bookish literary arts for the philosophically gifted. Not that it would scare you off, dear listener, but I can tell you're more the type who doesn't feel the need to emit a protective fog of literary jargon around yourself in order to intimidate or obscure your insecurities. Gosh, talk about foggy jargon, right? So anyway, country mascots. Up here in Canada, we have Johnny Canuck, and he's either a lumberjack or a mountie or a lumberjacking Mountie, or a hockey mascot, or a soldier what punches Hitler. And yes, Captain America, we punched Hitler too. We were in the same line you were in at the Hitler punching booth, along with John Bull, Marianne, and whatever Australia has, either a schoolboy or a punching kangaroo, like uh, uh, Skippy the kangaroo. And that's another thing all countries seem to have, a TV show about a wandering animal who gets people out of jams there's lassie the aforementioned skippy flipper and in canada we had uh, the littlest hobo
1: maybe tomorrow i want to settle down
0: But that's a topic for a different episode, dear listener. Provided I remember to write it on my list of show topics in the doc. Anyway, back to country mascots. Maybe they're an oversimplistic way to think about nation states. Actually, they definitely are. Nations are complicated things full of history and baggage and internal turmoil. Maybe personification is a pretty good metaphor, come to think of it. Imagine a Thanksgiving dinner where the U.S. had a big blowout fight with England, our dad. England was all like, I I say, if you're going to stay under this roof, young man, you'll act in accordance to our rules, and you won't go acting about like a ruffian on holiday. And the U.S. is all, Whatever, old man. I'm not afraid of you anymore. You think you're so great with your tea and he grabs a big old box of PG tips and dumps it out into the toilet. And that's what I think of your tea, dad. And of course, Canada is just like, whoa, take her easy, guy. And I think Canada's adopted that whoa, take her easy, guy attitude ever since. To clarify, this isn't the uh, whoa, take her easy, man. Caribbean lifestyle. We're not as neutral as a Swiss, but if Canada were a house of Westeros, whoa, take her easy, guy, would be our motto. we get along with the Starks, what with their motto, winter is coming, because that's another great Canadian pastime, where the Starks are like, winter is coming. Heed these words, sweet summer child. Canada would say, "Hey, listen here, summer boy. It's getting off of cold, so you better you better get them snows on, right? You don't want to cruise around in them baloney skins, right? Or you you'll end up in the drift." The Stark might say, "The night tis cold and full of terrors." A Canadian would say, "Hey, don't forget to plug in the block heater tonight. She's supposed to get down like 40 below." Or the Starks will be like. The dreaded horde of white walkers. They approach from beyond the wall. In Canada, be like. Now, what you're going to want to do is is head over to Canadian Tire. Grab yourself some shrink film for for those windows. Or else, you, you pay a fortune in heat, eh? And that Canadian accent, by the way, there are a few Canadian accents. There's the East Coast Newfie accent, which I mean... They have their own words for things. My wife's grandfather had a strong Newfie accent. He's a great guy, but I, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. There's French Canadians. But I, I don't know, does it count? Does it count as an accent if English isn't your first language? I guess, right? I mean, when we think of a Russian accent, we think of Russian. a Russian speaking English. Anyway, the, that Canadian accent, specifically. Hey, did you did you catch the Buds game last night? Ty Domi got in a scrap. I don't know where that accent comes from, but I'd say around 1 in 15 Canadians have it. It doesn't seem to matter where or when you were born in Canada or who your parents were. You could have a pair of identical twins, and one will have the accent and the other won't. I don't know if whether somewhere a moose bellows at the moment of their birth, or if they were conceived on the May 2-4 weekend with Russia's spirit of radio playing in the background, one or both participants had a can or two of Molson in their bloodstream, I I don't know how it works. But you're pretty much guaranteed to have a neighbor or cousin or co-worker with that Canadian accent. And if you're a Canadian, dear listener, and you don't know who I'm talking about, Well, it's probably you. And listen, I love you and don't ever change. But speaking of things north of the wall, I haven't said what today's tea is yet. Today, dear listener, I'm drinking Canadian True Maple Herbal Tea. It's your standard rooibos or red tea with a hint of maple. And it's not bad. And since rooibos is naturally caffeine-free, it's a good evening tea you're like me and you're too old to drink caffeinated beverages after six o'clock but boy howdy do i love maple i don't mean to brag dear listener but i i got a big old mason jar in my fridge full of homemade tree scissor from a friendly neighbor anyway canada true maple herbal that's today's tea
1: over Canada at this moment, and wherever Canadians are to be found all over the world, their new flag replaces the old. Ninety-eight years after the foundation of the Confederation of Canada, the maple leaf emblem flies proudly over the peace tower.
0: The Giving Maple, by a guy ripping off Shell Silverstein. Once there was a tall, proud Canadian maple and he loved a little boy, and every day the boy would come by and think real hard about climbing the maple, but it looked like a lot of effort. Besides, he could fall and break his neck. The boy thought about making a leaf crown prancing around like, like Maldifilex, Prince of the Forest nymphs, and smiled to himself. He imagined hiding behind the tree and waiting patiently to possibly catch a rare glimpse of an elusive North American skunk ape strolling by unaware. And the boy loved the tree, and the tree was happy. But time went by, And the boy got older and jerkier and the tree was left alone. One day the boy came back to the tree and the tree said, Come boy,
1: why don't you think about climbing me? Or pretend you're you're some kind of woods fairy or or whatever it is you used to do. Maybe this time that skunk ape will finally stroll by. I'm kind
0: of over skunk apes said the boy i'm starting to doubt they even exist and i was a forest nymph not a woods fairy there's a difference you know anyway i'm pretty much all about pancakes now i'm sorry said the tree but i have
1: none of these pancakes of which you speak i only have leaves and this Sugary, life sustaining sap, which I hear tastes like candy to boys such as yourself. Perhaps I can spare a little, and it might taste good on your pancakes,
0: and you could be happy. So the boy took a 516th drill bit and drilled a slightly upward slanting hole about one and a half inch deep into the tree's south facing side. He tapped in a spile and a two foot drip tube. Which fed into a two gallon poly sap bucket, and he waited. After collecting what the tree secretly thought was an excessive amount of sweet maple sap, the boy boiled the sap down and lavishly drenched his buttermilk short stack. A little goes a long way, you know. The boy enjoyed his pancakes, except for that last bit, where the pancakes had gotten too soggy from the excessive syrup so he tossed it away for the ants but the boy went away full and satisfied and the tree was happy but the boy stayed away for a long time and the tree grew sad one day the boy came back and the tree shook with joy and said come boy think about
1: climbing and skunk apes and all that i'm too busy for all that said the boy well then sit and enjoy some panned cakes covered in
0: unhealthy amounts of my life-sustaining sap. I've gotten type 2 diabetes from excessive syrup consumption. My doctor says that due to my lavish eating habits, I can only consume strict portions of sugar-free Nutri-Gruel for the rest of my life. I'm afraid I have known for sugar-free Nutri-Gruel, said the tree. It doesn't matter anyway, said the boy. I've got bigger problems. See, Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson put me on this flag committee to, pr- to replace the Union Jack. And I'm supposed to show him a flag idea by the end of the week. But I haven't got any ideas. I think months of consuming nothing but grey has robbed me of my, my creativity. What's a flag? asked the tree. It's like this fluttery pretty thing we put up on this pole and it's supposed to stand tall and wave around freely in the breeze. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to understand. You're just a tree. What do you know about standing tall and proud as a, as a symbol of our rugged Canadian wilderness?
1: Well, these flags sound a little like my leaves. Why don't you take one of them to your show-and-tell with your prime minister friend?
0: And the boy reluctantly took a leaf and went to a show-and-tell meeting. And the tree was happy. That boy's name was George Stanley, designer of the Canadian flag in 1965.
1: Now you know the rest of the story. I am the Great Ugly Troll. And through my life, I've had a special goal to be extra-awful bad and make everybody
0: sad and all-round yucky, nasty soul. Because I is the Great Ugly Troll. I listen to other podcasts, dear listener, not just, not just my own, I mean. Actually, by the time these are all edited up and ready to go, I, I really don't want to hear myself again. At least for another month. I've got to assume most podcasters are also podcast listeners, though. Although I suspect the celebrity ones don't don't have the time. But I like to listen to more experienced podcasters or content creators in general to discover what pitfalls to watch out for. And as many of them will tell you, whenever you create something, expose your soul on a digital billboard along that information superhighway, and your big imperfect face is up there for all of Cybertron to see, and you're giving the prettiest smile your face can possibly muster, well, it doesn't take long for an Internet troll, a cyber-bully, or digichud chud to spot that vulnerability behind your confident facade. Who does this guy think he is? asks the cyber-bully. The audacity he has to think he might be worthy to possibly entertain us. Of course, we could simply ignore him, let him find an audience who enjoys him, or remain forever in obscurity. His larger, prettier billboards are wrecked all around him, obscuring him from view. But they don't do that, do they, dear listener? No, they want to sneak up, cloaked in anonymity, and paint a mustache or black out a tooth on your billboard you work so hard on. And I'm sure you can think of something worse than what Reggie might do to Archie, dear listener. But you get the idea. All this to say, I've recently reached a milestone, dear listener. I've got my first internet troll. Well, I guess not exactly an internet troll. He's a little more old school. So he's a telephone prankster, you're asking? Like one of those jerky boys or the, the crank yankers? Nope. You're thinking too modern. We're talking telegraph, dear listener. I'm being telegraphed, bullied. Well, it would be bad enough if if it were just me. But this telegraph bully is involving my wife. My wife was delivered the following telegraph. Now, understand... I'm going to read it with an old-timey soundbed. Not because there's any sort of validity to this author of the telegraph's claims, but because I'm a fan of old-timey soundbeds. Here goes. I realize this telegraph will seem strange. However, I'm limited to 100 words, so excuse me for being sparse. I've been teleported. 127 years into your past. The husband you know is an imposter. I understand his impersonation of me is uncanny, but he's not to be trusted. If you happen to see a sort of tangible, isolated rippling in space, almost like a mirage, I urge you not to explore it. I've been assured this message will not be delivered until late 2016 hopefully we'll speak again either in this life or the next love always ken (sighs) can you believe that dear listener and my wife actually thinks i sent it she doesn't buy this time traveling nonsense she just thinks i'm being a, a telegraph prankster now you and i know dear listener that Telegraphs are a historic and noble form of communication. Not some huckster device used to pester old ladies about whether or not their refrigerators are running. Like I would even know how to go to the Internet and send a telegraph. I mean, just try and Google Telegraph. All you get are British newspapers. I'll say, though, to this telegraph bully... Kudos to you for using exactly the 100-word limit. No more, no less. You, sir, or madam, are a dastardly genius, and no doubt an attractive scamp with great taste in novelty mugs. Well, till next time, dear listener. Crest, out. Oot. Teacrest, oot. You know, like uh, Ryan Seacrest used to say, but, but, but tea, and Oot, because the whole Canada theme, this episode. <whistles> Till next time, dear listener. I'd like to thank Curly Legs Herpkins for his harmonica stylings during that middle segment as well as any other musical stylings you might have picked out during this podcast. R.I.P. Tom. Thank you for listening to Today's Tea with Kenny P. Please send your questions, thoughts and feedback to Ken at todaysteawithkennyp.com or at Pelican on Twitter. If you like the show, give it a glowing review wherever you find podcasts. Or better yet, recommend this show to a friend.